The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I'm Nancy Allspot Jackson. And I'm Shannon Penrod. I'm so Good morning. Ha happy to be here. We're, yeah. we're talking about our weather here in yes, Los Angeles. Yes, we're, we're having a cold snap. It's so unusual for us to have weather to discuss that it becomes a big deal. When and it, last we week it. it was 84 uh, degrees. Yeah, was, uh, last week, somebody literally, on Saturday, somebody literally said to me here in Los Angeles, well, now that it's summer. Uh -huh. and, I, and I burst out laughing. We're standing in a parking lot and I was like, did you just hear yourself? And she was like, what? I said, you just said now that it's summer. And she still wasn't getting it. And I said, it is February 1st. Right, right. It's not summer. And she was like, oh, I guess you're right. We might still have some cold weather. Because she was saying, you know, i got to get these clothes out yeah, and whatever. Yeah, You've lived back east. Yes. You know, I mean, I, I grew up in upstate New York, went to college in upstate New York. And, uh, you know, most closets, you, you know, people out here go, what? Um, but most closets, at least one closet in your house in upstate New York, you have the front closet and the back closet. Right. So there's a, it's a deep closet and there's a rod in the back. And so you take all your summer clothes right. and you put them there and pull the winter clothes up and then vice versa. Uh -huh. um, and people out here go, what? I know. They've never heard of yeah, that. Yeah, seasonal wardrobes back yeah. east. Yeah. And we have that a little bit A little here, bit. Yeah. A little bit, but you don't bother to completely rotate out right but um i just thought that was funny well now that it's summer february 1st <laughs> february 1st hey can i say something that isn't on our agenda that i what? forgot to put on there um that uh starting uh last night at midnight uh -huh. um uh, a new show started on netflix and everybody needs to be watching it. It's called, it called Lock and Key. Okay. And it one of the people who has has a recurring role in it is our very own Kobe Bird. Oh wow! And so you need you guys need to start binge watching. Okay. I can't wait to get home today because it came out at midnight last night, and I can't be up at midnight watching things. But I can't wait to go home today because I'm going to binge watch. There's ten episodes. Season one is out. And um, it is based on a comic book. Stephen King's son, <clears throat> his name is Joe Hill, I guess, wrote this, excuse me, graphic novel. What okay, am I graphic saying? novel. Comic book. Uh, graphic novel, a series that was very popular called Lock and Key. And they turned it into a series okay. on Netflix. Um, and I like it looks like it's uh, poised to blow Stranger Things right out of the water. Okay. Because um, there's something, I don't really know because I didn't read the, the graphic novel, but I've been watching all the trailers from it, and it's something about that there there's a house that has keys, and there's a place that you can stick the key in the back of your brain and open it up and it unlocks a room that is your brain that you can walk into a space that is your brain wow and that each person's brain looks different and it's very like all these special effects and uh my understanding is that kobe plays rufus who lives next door to the people in the key house and he uh, in the graphic novel is on the spectrum um and he helps to keep the grounds um, of the key house, but he gets involved in what happens as the 10 episodes go on. Uh, all I've seen are pictures of him shoveling snow thus far, on, <laughs> okay. uh, but I can't wait to see. And how awesome is it? Netflix has demonstrated a real um, dedication to making sure that individuals that are on the spectrum are portrayed by 
individuals on the spectrum. spectrum. Gotta love that Netflix. Mm -hmm. So I get goosies. Um, So everybody tune in. You can, it's there now. Go watch it and see Lock and Key with the fabulous Kobe Bird. We're going to have him on the show at at some point. It's just, he's a little popular right now. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, fan-o-matic. Okay. So, uh, we've got a big show today. Yeah. I'm very excited. Um, Yes. We're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming presidential elections. Yes, we have a guest. Eric Asher is going to be joining us from Respectability and talking a little bit about he was covering uh, for Respectability um, the recent Iowa de- the debates that happened in Iowa before right. the caucus. Um, and I can't wait to talk to him. I entrenched myself in the last few days in all of the uh, the candidates, the Democratic candidates um, have had opportunities to put out policies on how they feel about disability. Um, not, not Notably, not everyone has put out a policy. Okay. Uh, and we'll talk about who didn't in just a minute. But I've, I've gone through them. Okay. Uh, I can't I've wait read, to hear I've read every single one and kind of made myself a chart for who did what. And I have some opinions. Um, it should be noted that these are disability policies. So they are... They, not specific to autism. That's right. And we're waiting to see, you know, in the last campaign, Hillary Clinton put out an autism-specific plan. Yeah. It's very exciting. And we are very hopeful that candidates will do that again. Um, I think they're poised to. Uh-huh. But, you know, I, I want to share with you some broad strokes. These are available online. Anybody can get them, but some broad strokes about that. But then we're going to have Eric talking about how respectability how and he, um, how they're looking at these candidates and what they're doing to help us all um, sort these things out. But then we have, a, we at first, we have a couple of news stories. Yes, we do. Um, in New York City, there is a class action suit lawsuit against city and state education department for um, charging that the lack of ABA violates federal special education law. This is landmark, right? Right. Uh, You know, because I think everybody's been sort of waiting for somebody who has the time, money, and patience to do this. Because a lot of us, uh, a lot of states offer an early intervention program. And you go and you do your early intervention program if you're lucky Mm -hmm. at three. And some states even have grants that you can get your child started with ABA. Great. And everybody's 100% clear that at three, that ABA is the gold standard of treatment, right? And we're going to cover it and do whatever. But then suddenly, it's time for your kid to go to kindergarten and you're there with the IEP and they go, oh yeah, no, we're not putting ABA into that IEP. Right. We don't do that. We don't do ABA here. Or they say, well, we don't have to specify it on an an IEP. And and you're left with, well, what do you do? And they go, oh, well, we, you know, uh, and we don't have to specify what method. (laughs) Like, well, you know, and, and there might be some loophole. I don't even know that. We should ask Bonnie about that. There might be some loophole that allows them to do that, but you have to show results. And there's nothing that shows results, especially, I mean, there's there's nothing that shows the results that ABA shows in the classroom, certainly. Right. So um, these teachers, these um, parents are saying enough. We're saying that this is a violation of our child's rights, and they're suing. And there's a uh-huh. group of them, and it's very exciting. I can't wait to see what comes of this. And the fact that they're doing it in New York City, you know, bless these folks. Uh, because we all of us could have done this at any point. But you need to have a group of people. They've got to have some money. They've got to be willing to take some time. Right. Um, so we're going to f- try to follow this. I want to try to see if we can get some of the parents um, that are involved in this to come on the show to talk about what they're fighting for and why they're fighting for. Because the truth is, you guys, they're fighting for all of us. Right. And what happens to them will have an impact on what happens to the rest of us. Okay, next story, uh, a diuretic with a promising... uh, Treatment for autism. Yeah. Um, Do you you know how to say it? Bumet? No, but what's what's interesting to me is that Taka has been talking for years about the benefits of giving our kids GABA, Uh G-A-B-A, which I did not know is gamma amabutyric acid, which... Apparently, the but, bu, I don't know how to say it. Um, it's spelled B U M E T A N I D E. It looks like bumetanide. There you go. Um, I didn't realize that that is part of that and that that's a diuretic, but we've heard for years 
uh, of patients being put on GABA. But this actually reduces, decreases the levels of GABA. So this is interesting, right? right. It's very, very interesting. So I, I don't know, but uh, interesting uh, beginning studies. This came to us from uh, Medscape Medical News. So um, interesting, interesting. They found that young children with ASD treated with the diuretic for three months scored better on a behavior scale that measures emotional response as well as verbal and nonverbal communication. There we go. Take a look. Um, see if it's something that interests you. And then our last story today. Oh, it's the heartbreaking story. And I wasn't like I always teeter on whether we're going to cover things or not. But I think. Sometimes it's important for us to not to look away mm -hmm. when things happen. Um, and, and as I read this story, I was like, well, here's the reason why I want to cover this story. You've all heard the story of the New York City cop and his fiance that are being accused of murder um, because they took his eight-year-old son on the autism spectrum and to treat him a lesson, they... It's just like so hard to even talk about yeah. you guys. They put him in the garage overnight to punish him, and it was below freezing weather. Right. In the morning, the dad called um, for help and said that the child had fell. Mm -hmm. They took him to the emergency room and discovered that um, he was suffering from hypothermia and that the what the dad had said did not corroborate that what they were the injuries that they were seeing. Right. That um like the like this whole thing about oh he fell in the driveway on the way to the school bus. I don't know how he's frozen. Like honestly, um I I just I have no words, but here's what I want to say is that the poor mom of this child who is now dead and there are other children too right. in the family. Right. And mom had gone repeatedly before a judge and said please don't send them back to be with right. spend she time said, with their father. If you're not going to remove the children, they're going to die under his care and custody. And look, she told the family court. I, I like that poor woman and what she's having to deal with today. Um, but you know how, you know, but we've had experts before on the show that say if your child even looks like they have the potential to elope, imagine your child saying to you, the next time you leave me uh, to my own devices, I'm going to run out into the street. Um, and, and potentially get hit by a car, what would you do? And, and I think a lot of times as moms, we like have an instinct and say, this is not good. And we say to officials, um, but you got to follow your gut. Right. You got to follow your gut. Right. And um, I, I know that there were, there were times in our life when, well, there was one time notably when we were not getting the services that I, they were, kept making us wait to start for services. And I said to the people on the phone, I said, you have 48 hours or I'm going to start calling every news outlet and I have friends. I didn't have friends. I do now. But I didn't then. But, yeah. I, said, but I was like, I'm going to start calling the news. And, and I think as parents, we have to help each other and right. be aware. And you got to follow your gut. That, yeah. Because like, I keep thinking about what does she wish now that she had done. And, and it looks like she did everything she could have. Yeah, could've. it does. I mean, she but, went but to... What, but what does she wish now that she had done because... Um, you know, I, here we are, here we are. And a lot of times pe people will poo poo you. I remember that my son was going to go on a field trip and I said, I I'm going on the field trip. And they were like, mm, no, no parents on the field trip. And I said, change your, change your thing. Mm -hmm. And she was like, well, I just don't understand why you're being this way. And it was three weeks after, do you recall this? There was an 18 year old that went on a field trip in Los Angeles County mm -hmm. and drowned mm -hmm. because they, his aide lost him yes, for a I couple of minutes. That. And he went into a public pool and drowned while she was looking for him. And I said, don't tell me. Don't, I said to the teacher, don't tell me not to worry about this. Right. In our district, a kid died, and she was like, oh, for heaven's sake, that would never happen with us. You're overreacting. And I said, that is my right. That is my right. Went on the field trip, and do you know what happened? He, the kids were assigned to three buses, and right. my son was assigned to be on a bus. I was there with him. Mm -hmm. That bus left without him while I stood there. I remember this. And I, you, and I was like, so how's he supposed to get back now? And they're like, oh, we'll just shove him on another bus. And I was like, and you wonder why I want to get your come. instinct says go or don't let your child go here. Like, do what you have to do. Listen to your gut. Listen to your gut. Ask for help. Say you're going to call reporters. I, you know, do what you have to do. What's even more amazing to me is that the police officer, the, the father, 
launched an online fundraiser to oh. cover the cost of his son's yeah, funeral well, expenses. Look, I, you know, this this guy, I, you know, we have to be careful and keep saying allegedly, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But how you, first of all, how you think it's appropriate to have your child, even if it's nice weather, sleep outside in the garage as a punishment is beyond me. But we just got done saying that we both have lived uh, in that part of the country mm -hmm. in the cold weather, mm -hmm. how you thought that was okay. But then when you realize that you messed up, the appropriate response is to screamingly call 911 and say, please come help my child. Mm -hmm. I I've done something stupid. Yeah. You don't call and say, oh, he tripped on his way to the bus. I don't know why he's cold and unresponsive. You know, the when you're lying to cover up stuff, look, and it's your child and your child needs the health care right now, I got no time. Right. I got no patience. Top of my head, you know, and circling because, yeah. um, you know, what a horrible, horrible human being. Right. Really horrible human being. So um, I got I got no time, no patience for that. Well, he's charged with second degree murder now. So, yeah. Well, um, yeah. Okay. So we're take a break and then come back and we'll talk a little bit about the candidates. Yeah, should we do that? Let's do that because yeah. I, I've got the reports here. And we're okay, gonna, we're gonna I'm anxious go over. to hear about your Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, stay, okay, stick with us. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Candace Cameron Bray. Tom Bergeron. You're watching Autism Live. And you're watching Autism Live. And you're watching Autism Live. You're watching Autism Live. Welcome back. For the month of February, I thought it'd be a great idea to work an activity that would help your kiddos identify and label emotions. And to help me out today is my good friend, Jamie. Hey, Suzanne. Hey there, Jamie. Hey, how can I help? Well, the way you can help me out is that because you're a sock puppet, you can do things with your face that I cannot do. No way. Totally. The way you can do it is that, you know, you have interchangeable features, which means you can make super exaggerated faces which makes it easier for kiddos to identify them and to label them. Uh-huh. Hey, I have a favor to ask you. Yeah? Can you help us out and show us some of your faces you can make? Of course! Here we go! Ooh, you look super mad. I was super mad. Can you show us another one? Sure. Ooh, you look super sad. I was super sad. All right, can you show us one more? One more. All right. You look super excited. I was super excited. I am too. You know why? Because I really want to show everyone how to make a little buddy like you. So hey. let's get started. The materials you'll be needing are googly eyes, felt, a hot glue gun, imagination, scissors, Velcro, some heavy cardstock, and a clean sock. All right, let's get to it. So the first thing you want to do is you're going to grab your sock. Hopefully it's not dirty and used. It's a clean one. And what you're going to do is that you're going to take your sock, fold it in half like so, and then you're going to take your scissors and cut down. The reason we're doing this is that we're going to make an area for the mouth. Um, the next thing you want to do is you want to trim the inside a little bit because if you don't, it's going to have an overbite. So I'm just going to take my scissors and just trim a little bit off, not much. Now that this guy is ready, I'm going to take a hard card stock or note card or whatever you have that's a piece of paper. I'm going to fold it in half. And what I'm going to do with this is going to be the inside of its mouth, the kind of reinforcement so you're able to move its mouth around. So I'm going to just cut it into an oval. And don't worry, if it's a little too big, you can always trim it. With this sock puppet project, the materials we're using, like the hot glue, is not something for children. So this is something you're going to be doing by yourself and then asking your child to join in once the puppet is ready to go. All right, now that I got that out of the way, let's start gluing. I'm going to take my hot glue gun and I'm going to glue it on the paper. Okay, once I have that, I'm going to put that in the inside of its mouth and then I'm going to take the sock and then pull it over the edge and cover the glue. All right, so now that I have the bottom part done, I'm going to do the same thing to the top. So now that we have this part assembled, what we're going to do is we're going to take a piece of felt and we're going to cover this area so you don't see all the scraggly stuff. So I have my piece of felt right here. I'm going to fold it in half and I'm just going to cut out a similar oval shape. And again, don't worry 
If it's too big, you can always trim it after we glue it on. I'm gonna glue it inside. All right, now we got pretty much the base of the sock puppet. He's got a moving mouth, but wait, he's got no features. We gotta help him out with that. So what I'm gonna do is I have these pieces of Velcro that I bought that are already sticky on the back, which makes my life a lot easier. And I'm gonna peel this off and place it where I want his eyes. So one there and one there. And then I'm also gonna put them also along his mouth. And then if you want to get fancy, you can put some for his eyebrows as well. So now that I have this, we should be making some features for him. I'm alive! Alive! I had a great time with my buddy Jamie, and I hope you did too. Until next time, bye! Bye! And don't forget to send us your photos at facebook.com slash autism live. Can you see me? Can you see me flying by your side? And we're back. We are. And you have some uh, research here that you've yeah. done on the candidates, the Democratic candidates. Yeah, somebody had posted the other day when it's just been in the last two weeks that they've most of them have come out with these, and, and uh, Bernie Sanders had come out with his last week, and somebody had posted on Facebook about it and said, you know, Shannon Penner, I'd like you to weigh in. Well, mm -hmm. I can't really weigh in on Bernie Sanders without reading everybody's, right? right? So I went online, and the first thing that I tried to see was how accessible was it to find their disability policies. Right, how was because, it? Because, you know, when, when you're a person with a disability, first of all, and somebody's saying, you know, I really um, want to be able to find this, and, and they're saying, uh, you know, we want it, technology, universal design. Did you put your money where your mouth was? Was your policy easy to find? I will tell you that Amy Klobuchar's was really difficult to find. Okay. Um, Bernie Sanders was really difficult to find because there were lots, and I don't necessarily think it's his fault, there were a lot, as you just Google what his policy is, there are lots of people discussing it. Um, and so just finding the actual policy was a little bit more difficult. And some people decided to do um, a very short thing on their website about it, but with clickable links to go to further, which isn't always ideal for people with different disabilities. Right. So um, let's start with the fact that there was one of the, and I just did the main candidates who were polling the most. Okay. Um, but, but I included Bloomberg, who has right. not yet been involved and he was the one and only candidate that does not have a disability policy and it's very notable because he has a website that's very comprehensive uh -huh. that lists like 22 different policy things like you can read what bloomberg says about you know climate change right he's got all these other things but he doesn't include a disability now it might be that within each one of those he has a little blurb uh -huh. but that would be exhausting to right, find. Right, of course it would. There's no disability Maybe policy. Maybe we should call him out on that. And well, I think I just did. <laughs> Let's hope he's I mean, watching. Like, why somebody isn't, why isn't there a policy there, Mike? I mean, mm -hmm. come on. Um, okay, so, uh, but I want to show you with. just, I want to show you just like, the, and these are, I printed them out and they're double-sided. And now some people have more print, um, a bigger print than others, but let's, uh, uh, let's just start with, okay, here's Andrew Yang's. Okay. And it's super thin. Okay. It is basically this page. And there are right. some clickable links, but it's it's not much. It's not very comprehensive uh -huh. at all. Uh -huh. I was shocked at this because he's got a child on the spectrum, right. which he references on his one page okay. thing. So we're supposed to take it that, that he knows. Then we get to... Biden's, uh -huh. and Biden's is very thin, but his is full of clickable links, okay. which I don't think is very accessible for, you know, people, people with disabilities. Right. But it doesn't, even the clickable links, he doesn't have a whole lot of categories. He, he, broad strokes, right? No specifics, um, you know, very, I think, little to nothing specifically about okay. autism. Then we get into the people who had the bigger, thicker, meatier reports. Um, uh, Senator Klobuchar's, um, th which is a little bit thicker, quite a bit of meat in it. She gets specific. A lot of it she talks about 
what she has put in place in previously, that this is not the first go round for her, okay. that she's all already been very involved with the rights for folks with disability and a little bit of policy about what she would do moving forward. But I also, I wanted to mention what they titled them because okay. Okay, how interesting is this? Yeah. Mike Bloomberg's is titled Cricket, Cricket, Cricket. Right. Right. Uh, Andrew Yang's is Policy Care for People with Disabilities. Okay. All right. Almost like somebody phoned that in. I'm just right. going to say. Biden's is Americans with Disabilities. Okay. Um, Klobuchar's is planned to protect equal rights. She's very big about the equal right. rights and provide opportunities for people with disabilities. And that pretty much describes yeah. what she's got. Um, okay, let's move on to Elizabeth Warren's, which is one of the bigger ones. Okay. And because she's a former teacher, there's a lot in here about education, and she specifically cites autism a couple of times. Hers is protecting the rights and equality of people with disabilities. She, I, I will say that she goes off onto a whole other area Area where she's talking about the Green New Deal and how that has to include folks with disabilities, which I thought that that was really interesting, and and really really delves into the education piece uh, full force. So that's okay, great. Elizabeth Warren. Um, then we have um, this is Bernie Sanders. Now his is very small print, which I'm like guys, right? Um, you know, uh, looks to be pretty extensive. It, yeah. is, it is the most comprehensive. Okay. However. It is, it is notably pure disability. It does not segment out into autism and other specific disabilities except when it's a policy like something for accessibility for blind folks uh -huh. or something specific for deaf folks. But it, I don't, it, it doesn't cite autism in here, okay. which is why we think that there is an autism plan hot on its heels mm -hmm. because it is very comprehensive and here's, Here's what I loved about Bernie's, okay. is that he doesn't just talk about, I will put this policy in. In the beginning of it, he has a long list of executive actions that he will take and what the and how they will benefit mm. folks on the spectrum, and they are game changers. Okay. He's like, he's like, I will take this executive action so we don't have to wait for legislation right. to push through. He cited this is how, I, no other candidate okay, that's did, did really, specifically that. So and it is, plus. and he covers things in here that the rest of them um, have not thought about. Right, it, it, like very comprehensive. Okay. Then we get into, but his is titled "Fighting for Disability Rights." Okay, and that's really what it's about. It's uh -huh. very aptly named. Then we get into Buttigieg's. Oh, I guess this is the last one that I have. Buttigieg's, which I like the title of his name. Uh, no, I think I got it a little <laughs> bit wrong. But uh, here's what I liked about his. Um, it was the easiest one to find. It was the most accessible. It's formatted the way that's it's the most success, uh, accessible mm -hmm. for people with disabilities. And I like the title, Dignity, Access, and Belonging. A new, what's the subtitle? A new era of inclusion for people with disabilities. Okay, that's great. I, great title. I, I really like that. And I like the way, first he gives you, like Bernie has, he gives you his key points and then he gives you his executive uh, orders that he'll do, and then he has, I think, 20, um, 19, excuse me, 19 different areas that he discusses, but he doesn't tell you what they're going to be in the front. He okay. doesn't give you a table of contents. Um, Buttigieg has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But he, you, they're clickable so that if you want to just skip to his mental health care uh -huh. policy, you can. I wish the Bernie people had done that. Um, and notably, the difference is that this one, the Buttigieg one, has autism throughout it. Okay. So I, when asked last night, I said I wish I could take these two and meld them hybrid together yeah um because bernie you know you cannot dispute that bernie's got a plan here of what he's going to do immediately and that what he's going to do long term um i i will say no one was as concise as Buttigieg was about he's he is all inclusion he's like you know absolutely mm -hmm. um and has a plan that 80 percent of um, individuals with, with disabilities, excuse me, 85% of individuals with disabilities will spend 85% of their time in an inclusion classroom by 2025. So he is, I mean, that's a lofty goal. It is. And, and he's saying that he will do the training because we all know we want inclusion, but it's right. got to be good inclusion. And he cites autism and autism specific 
agendas throughout his plan. Again, Bernie doesn't, but we think it's because mm -hmm. we think he's about to come out with an autism-specific plan. Specific plan. Now, what makes you think that? Well, here's why I think that. Um, because th these are all the Democrats, right? Mm -hmm. And in the 2016 election, um, many of us were asked by Tony Coelho mm -hmm. um, to participate in... Um, writing policy. And explain who Tony Coelho is. So Tony Coelho is um, an ex-representative from California. He is a gentleman who identifies himself as an individual with a disability. His particular disability is epilepsy. Mm -hmm. um, he ran the, the um, he was very involved uh, in the, I think he was the campaign director for the first bid for presidency for Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. And then in this last one, she named him as her disability advisor. And okay. he put together a team of people across the United States in many different factions with many different disabilities and people who were parents of people with many different disabilities. And there were um, these different nine different committees that you could choose to be on. I served on the education committee and the whole purpose of this, and we met for a full year before the election, uh -huh. and we um, would argue over policies. Um, and, and one of the most disappointing things for me, and I think a lot of people, was that we were able to see what what the policy was that was being shaped and uh -huh. we were excited. Right. We were excited and then, you know, beyond, you know, when she did not win, it was like, oh, those policies, where right. are they? Right. Well, Tony Coelho and a group of people stayed together. I did not, con I did not opt to continue right. um, being a part of, but they have continued to keep writing policy and they have reached out to all the Democrats and said, we have this policy that had been worked on by all these people. We'll make it available. So, you can see some of that work in each one of these policies. Oh, okay. And I think, you know, I feel like, um, and, and he's, he's, um, Bernie cites Tony Coelho in his. Okay, great. So all and that work didn't come to. It didn't go to, to nothing. They were able to take what they felt they agreed with. Right. Right. And leave the rest at the door. But, you know, fairly early on, um, Hillary Clinton came out with an autism policy. The fact that Bernie notably does not specifically cite autism in that very comprehensive report, and he cites Tony Coelho, I just I feel that it's very likely Something's coming. that he will put out a and and it's so different from Buttigieg's because uh -huh. Buttigieg keeps he and I don't know if you watched the other day um, after the caucuses. When they each gave speeches, he was Buttigieg was the only one who mentioned autism in his um, speech after mm -hmm. the Iowa caucus. Mm -hmm. So he, somebody is talking to Buttigieg and saying, you, you know, keep us in there. Right. And I can't believe that nobody is with Bernie. So I feel like it's such a, it's so com it's so notable that it's not in there that I think that the plan is. Mm -hmm. I hope okay. it is. I hope so. I too. hope it is. Um, let's let's have that happen, Bernie Sanders, folks. So anyway. Hopefully that has set us all up to hear right. what respectability is doing. saying about these Because they've been in candidates. Iowa yeah, I want to hear their with opinion. the candidates. Yep. Yeah. So all right. We're going to take a break, and we're going to be back with Eric Asher. Here we go. And welcome back. And to, with us now we have Eric Asher. Eric is Communications Associate for Respectability. And we're going to hear about that organization from him. Welcome to the show, Eric. Hi. Um, I'm happy to be here and yeah, talk good. about what we're doing. Good to have you. Let's talk about respectability and what they do. Um, so, respectability is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization, and our role is to fight stigmas and advance opportunities for and with people with disabilities, so that they can achieve our participate in all aspects of the community. That's our mission. So, wonderful. And Eric, we understand. You know, where when you guys come on my radar is usually right around election time. And you certainly came on our radar a couple of weeks ago because you and another individual um, were um, helping to, I guess it was two other individuals, uh, were helping to cover the Democratic presidential primary debate that happened uh, right before the Iowa caucus. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you guys were doing there and what that was like. Sure. So, um from January 10th through 15th, I was in Iowa, um, all over the state, um, trying to meet presidential candidates and talk with them, get them on the record on disability issues. Um, 
and it's personal to me because on the spectrum myself, um, and so I care what the candidates are proposing to increase employment among people with disabilities because I spent two years after college looking for a variety of opportunities for myself. I care about fighting stigmas because I was bullied as a child and young adult, and I know that my childhood would have been a lot easier if our differences were celebrated and not mocked. So basically, it was personal to me. I got to go to lots of different candidate events. Um, I attended um, rallies and town halls for, um, for Elizabeth Warren, for Amy Klobuchar, for Pete Buttigieg. Um, sorry, that's my boss is popping in. Um, so I attended interviews. I attended, let's see. I attended events for Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren. Um, Andrew Yang, um, and then I got to uh, participate in the, in the spin room at the um, presidential debate um, in Des Moines. So that was a highlight of the trip for me. Well, I'm chartreuse with envy because to be there and be on the ground and be talking with these folks, I mean, there's nothing like that. Uh, I can't even imagine. So uh, we didn't get to be there. Right. Uh, so what What did you learn? What did you walk away with, Eric? What are your thoughts now? Well, what I walked away with is um, videos of, of three of the candidates, which are on our website at voteability.com, and um, got responses to our candidate questionnaire from five of the leading candidates. Um, we have responses posted from from Buttigieg, Warren, Klobuchar, Sanders, and Yang to our website. And they went in, in detail on lots of different disability issues that affect people. So, Yeah, I love that you guys have a very specific form. We were talking earlier because we've been going through all of their disability policies, the ones that have them, and it's very hard to judge apples to oranges because they're different. But I love that your form, you're asking everybody the same question and then you can compare what their answers are, which is really wonderful. Yes. Is there anybody thus far who is, you know, just said, no, I'm not doing it? Um, we have not had anyone fully reject us and um, we're just waiting on responses from the rest. We're hoping we'll get some more as the campaign goes on. Okay. Are there any of the candidates that stand out to you in terms of what they're offering? Um, well, at RespectAbility, um, speaking on behalf of RespectAbility, we're a nonpartisan organization that does not rate or endorse candidates. So I'm not necessarily comfortable answering that question. But, good answer. Um, I, will say that, I will say that a lot of them had good, good answers. So, okay. And I would encourage everyone to check them out. And is this a big difference in the la that you see this campaign as opposed to last, last the last one? Well, I wasn't involved last cycle, but from what I've heard, yes, it's a lot better this cycle. Um, I've heard from my colleagues that um, it was a big deal when Hillary had her plan last time, and that um, now having so many candidates have plans, and a lot of them are thorough, and a lot of them actually know it. But I will say is when I've interviewed them, a lot of them actually clearly knew what they were talking about, which made me really happy. So, right. Um, yeah. Is there a specific question that you like to ask the candidates, Eric, um, that because you're interested in, in their specific answer to that question? Um, well, I came up with good, we came up with good questions as a team. Uh, I would say the, the biggest one is about employment for people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the one we asked most of the candidates because that's the issue. Like, for example, I, I, as I said earlier, I spent two years looking for a job, yeah. having all the qualifications I think I needed. But it took me two years to find someone who was willing to give me a chance. And in the employment gap for people with people without disabilities, I'm going to the the National Governors Association meeting this weekend, meeting with all the governors, and I've been compiling flyers um, with statistics on the employment gap for people with disabilities and people without disabilities in all the states. And the gap is big in every single state, and it's a big, big problem. So. Absolutely. And so what, you know, you do have a job now, and you're doing a great job at your job. Um, 
for for people who don't understand, give them a little bit about what your background is because you were poised to be in a great job like this. What had your background been before you were in this job while you were looking for a job for two years? Um, so basically my background is I would I went to college. I was at Goucher College um, in Towson, Maryland. Um, and I was a communications major with political science minor and I wanted to do something that integrated both of those um, aspects of my interests. And um, this opportunity came up for a fellowship at Respectability in January 2018. And um, then I spent five months here, um, started out as an unpaid fellow, became a paid fellow. Um, and eventually, um, after a summer internship at, at a PR firm, I came back and was hired full time. So um, it was a long process, but basically, the, the thing is, what I learned is that there's no better interview than doing the job for five months, basically. So. Well, that was going to be my next question because some of the candidates in their policies detail what they want to do for education, and it includes things like internships and apprenticeships and fellowships. And I was I was wondering what your opinion about that is, but but it sounds like you're a fan of that, that it works. Um. I'm a fan of whatever works. Um, I know respectability, we, I'm not on the policy side, but I know one of the policy, one of the best practices that we like to promote is called Project Search, and they have an extremely high success rate, and it's basically an apprenticeship program for people with disabilities, on-the-site job training, um, and they get trained on the job, and then they have a high percentage of people who graduate the program and actually get, get hired. So. Wonderful. Basically, there are best practices that work. There are things that employers and governance and politicians can do to make things better for people with disabilities. And it was good to be able to get them on the record, trying to see what what they were what their plans are. Yeah. Now you mentioned that you're nonpartisan, so I imagine that there's some sort of a plan to reach out to the Republican side. Have uh, have you gotten anything? Have, have you gotten anything from them about what the policy would be on the other side? Um, we've gotten a couple things. I mean, I, I was I was at a Bill Weld event um, in um, D.C. last week, actually, and that was interesting. Um, he talked a little bit about disability. Um, I was not able to fill that, but if I did, I would have written something about it. Um, and, yeah. You're a very busy man, Eric. Yes, you are. <laughs> and we understand that you've taken time out of your busy day. Uh, that uh, You can tell them you're live with Autism Live right now, uh, that you're, you're occupied. I've been trying to. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I mean, we know it, 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 this happens to us too. But, um, uh, you know, and Nancy, I'm not letting you get a word in edgewise. That's okay. But I want to know, now that you've, you've gotten uh, some of these reports from these candidates and you're waiting for some for the others, what's the next step for respectability? Because this election season has only just begun. Um, so we are going to continue to reach out to presidential candidates on both sides of the aisle. Um, we are going to hopefully get more and more responses to our questionnaire. Um, we're also going to be working, I think, on a questionnaire for governors and Senate candidates in all 50 states as well. Um, we're a small organization, so it's a bandwidth issue. We would like to do every house race as well, but we're doing we're focusing on governors, senators, and presidential candidates. And where can we read all of these things? What website do we have to go to, Eric? Um, well, we just bought a new domain name, votability.com, which I plugged earlier. Or you can go to respectability.org for more about respectability. Okay. Or but yeah, votability.com is where all the uh, candidate questionnaire responses will be posted. And you have the responsibility report on that website? Respectability report? Um, it's, it's actually for the same. They go, it redirects to respectability report. So Okay, great. Well, congratulations. You guys are doing a great job. Yeah, thank and it's you. It's very appreciated. And I'm excited for you that you're getting to meet all these people and, and keep it fresh in their minds. Um, that they need to have plans for people of all abilities. Mm -hmm. Yes, the disability community deserves to be addressed. Um, we're the largest minority of the country, and a lot of times people don't talk, talk about our issues, so it's good to see that that's starting to change. Great. Thank you for all you're doing to put that in the forefront.
Thanks for being with thank us, Eric. We yeah, really thank, thank you. We appreciate the time. All right. All right. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, what a wonderful young man. Yeah. Uh, doing a He's wonderful doing job. doing great work. Uh, yes. And, and how exciting. To I be know. Young, like, you know, uh, I mean, if I were 30 years younger, I would want to, wanted to have been in Iowa, right. too. I right. mean, I've been in, I, like, I, I, I was saying the other day that I, I have caucused before. You have. Yes, because when I was a stand-up comedian, there was a year that I was based out of Iowa. Uh-huh. Um, and it happened to be, this is how old I am. It happened, I caucused uh, back then for Al Gore. Okay. And it was fascinating. It was a very fascinating process. And, um, you know, I was saying, uh, you know, on Monday that, you know, there's something to be said for this process. I know people think it's folksy, but there's something to be said for you. You know, now everything is so removed and on social media. And I see people write things on social media that they would never say to another person's right, face. Right, right. Not ever. We right. weren't raised in barns. No. Come on. <laughs> um, but when you're face-to-face, you cannot say those things. And you have a place that you go to that is in your neighborhood. And you go there, and at that time, um, you know, I was living within a three-mile radius of several relatives, my mom, my grandmother, and my aunt and my Mm -hmm. cousin. So we were all at the same polling place, which was fascinating, you know, and and all these other people that were there, too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they they have opening comments, and then they say, all right, now, you know, here, it was Bradley at the time Mm -hmm. who was running against Gore, and it was like, it was basically the two of them, and it was like, so everybody who wants Gore get on this side of the room, and everybody who wants Bradley on this side of the room. Room, and then a discussion ensues and they count and they see you know who has what and if a candidate isn't viable then those people get to decide do they get to go to the other candidate now this was so much more complicated this year because there's so many candidates right and um, what and I sat glued to the whole thing on television because I was looking my brother and my sister live there and I was looking Four years ago, they were in their polling place, and we got to watch them caucus, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. So, um, but you watch people and the deals that get made, because people were like, they showed up and they would, for instance, be for Klobuchar, uh, but Klobuchar. But then in that particular location, she wouldn't be viable. She uh-huh. didn't have 15%. Right. And they do the first alignment, and if your candidate doesn't have 15%, you have to either say, I'm out, and you can, or you choose to go with somebody else. And so, you know, they, they were, I was watching one interview and the person was like, well, I came here for Klobuchar and I knew that if she wasn't viable, then I was going to go to Buttigieg. Uh-huh. But then the Sanders people came over and said, don't do that. Come over to the Sanders and if you do, we'll give you a delegate. Mm-hmm. Later on, there were like all these backdoor, oh, these like neighbors who are backdoor politicking uh-huh. right there. It's a fascinating thing. I heard them, you know, on the news the other day saying, well you know, they should go with the first alignment because that's called voting. But that mm-hmm. is not voting. Because you, when there's more than one candidate, you go knowing, you know, if my candidate doesn't win, then I would want this person. Mm-hmm. And later mm-hmm. on, they're all going to be winning down mm-hmm. and it will only be those people. So it isn't who you went with, who won the first alignment. It okay. really isn't. So, but we are not going to waste any breath talking about the nightmare of them not knowing who, who won. Right. I think one of the biggest debacles in the history. Because, you guys, even even if your app didn't work, even if the phone didn't work, mm-hmm. there were 1,700 polling places. Right. You know, 24 hours later when they still didn't have the count, I'm like, because you had it on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. We watched you. Right. It's three numbers right. times 1,700. Right. You have a staff of people. Mm-hmm. I am slightly dyslexic with numbers, and I could have pumped that out in 24 yeah. hours. Yeah. Don't tell me. I know. It's a disaster. It's a mess. It sure is. Anyway. Um, okay. So. so uh, want to take a short break and then I come back? I think we're and, pretty much out of time. Are we, time. Out of time? Are we not? You want to tell us what's on the. Traven, are we out of time, or do we want to take a break and come back? All right, he says to take a break, okay, and then we'll come back come to back close out the show. Talk about what's up yes, next. Yes, I've got stuff for next okay, week. Great. All right, stick with us. And we're back, and why don't you tell us about what's on the horse in my throat? I, I had that yesterday. <clears throat> I saw this wind that I, like <clears throat> that kept happening to me yesterday, where I'd be talking, and then all you know, takes it away. Tell from us me. what you've got coming up for Monday. Okay, so on Monday we're going to start out with clinical psychologist Mirelle Bouchenou. Um, that's going to be fabulous. And then we have Joanne Lara is going to come on with John Brower from New Horizons. Uh, Joanne, of course, from Autism, Autism Works, Works Now. Now. Autism um, 
there. there. Yep. So she's coming on to talk about um, something that they've got in the works that's really exciting. It'll be John's first time on the show, but you guys always ask for Joanne. Joanne's back on Monday. Then on Tuesday, we have a Best of Temple Grandin, where we're featuring, featuring just videos with Temple. I, go, I know you guys love that. On Wednesday, we are going to have an autism expert here. I don't know whether it's going to be Dr. Doreen Grampiche or it might be Evelyn Kung, but we're going to have somebody. I'm going to make sure of that. Uh, on Thursday, I don't. I, it's to be determined because we're waiting to hear back from a guest who's very exciting. But then on Friday, when it's the two of us, we have the amazing Katrina Aguilar, who's going to be with us. Now, Katrina was on once before for just a short segment when, uh, actually, when we had Joanne Lara on because uh, they were doing a benefit with Kiki Epson. Uh-huh. Um, and so they they were saying Kiki Epson was singing, um, but that they were going to have a guest performer, um, Katrina Aguilar. She's got an event that's coming up. And I was not able to go to that event with Kiki Epson, but every, I mean, Kiki's divine. And, right. You know, anytime Kiki sings, it's a treat, right? Um, but everyone who went to it said, oh my gosh, this young singer who is classically trained, mm-hmm. but apparently has pipes like, you know, everybody says, oh, is, is she, you said, is she related to Christina Aguilera? Mm-hmm. No, because her name is, no doesn't a. have the A at the end. It's it, this, this is Katrina Aguilera. Right. Uh, no relation to Christina. Aguilera, but apparently the pipes are passed down somehow through the name being close. And more importantly, she's on the spectrum. She's on the spectrum, and but a very, I would say, more importantly, she's wildly talented. More importantly, she's wildly talented. Yeah. So, but the reason why she's joining us is because to tell her story Uh of the last time we just were talking about what she was going to be singing at the event, but we 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 decided we better have her back on. Okay, great. Before she becomes, you know, the Grammy-winning artist that she will be. Uh, we need to hear her story while she has eight minutes right, right. now. Okay. Uh, but don't, so that's what's happening next week. But don't forget, you guys, go home tonight and go to Netflix, go to Lock and Key. My understanding is that Kobe is not really in the first episode, that apparently there's like a three-second thing of him in the first episode. So you're going to have to watch the first couple of episodes to be able to see Kobe. But I understand it's going to be worth it. I cannot wait. Okay. I'm like, I, I've been waiting for this for so long. <laughs> when he got cast to do this, which was almost a year ago, and, you know, they're friends of our family, and, of course, we've had Kobe on, on the show before, um, and he is a delightful young man. And I so, you know, for months I was sitting on this while they were filming in Canada, not able to tell you guys, but it's big. Big. It's wonderful. Okay, great. All right. We'll all be sure to watch. <laughs> Excuse me. We'll be back on Monday. Until then, give your kiddos a hug for me. <laughs> and give yourselves a hug for me. Bye-bye. We've got the frog thing going on. <laughs>